Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The World Cricket Show is proudly sponsored by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919. That was good, that one. Do you want to... No, you can. You lead off. You're the host. Adam, you always host. <laughs> OK. Can I get a bank, sir? Adam, can you start with Desmond first? Because when we were together playing, he always wanted to be first. Right. He oh. took the first yeah. pool. <laughs> he took the first pool. Yeah, yeah, please. Give him the opportunity, please. Is yeah. that a, <laughs> a long-running sore point? And, and yeah, Adam, yeah. Adam if, you're gonna, if I'm going to lead off first, can you let the world know that I was the number one opening batsman? He was number two? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's important. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show with me, Adam Bayfield, and Tony Kerr. Hey. Tony, we've got a very special episode of the podcast to bring the listeners today. If you've been listening over the last few weeks, you'll know that we were out in the Caribbean following England on their on their tour there, watching the, the third test of that series in St. Lucia, the first couple of ODIs in Barbados. Uh, while we were there, Tony, you may remember... <laughs> Uh, that we had the opportunity to catch up with a couple of West Indies cricket legends. Yeah, we did. And uh, as we said, it was possibly the most genial spot that we've ever recorded the podcast in um, with a a couple of uh, absolutely fantastic guys. Yeah, I think we're going to struggle to match the, uh, the fact that you had a couple of genuine legends and one of the most spectacular settings you could hope to record a, a cricket podcast in. So, yeah, we'll struggle to match that thing. Are you talking about you and me as the, <laughs> the genuine legends? Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a couple of genuine legends and some former West Indies cricketers as well. Exactly. Yeah, we had a chat with Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Haynes, famous West Indies duo. Whether Greenwich and Haynes or Haynes and Greenwich, uh, which, as you'll hear in a minute, is still very much a live topic of, of debate, um, yeah, they're, well, they're, those names are inseparably linked, aren't they? Uh, yeah, r- remembered as one of, if if not the greatest opening partnership, certainly, and, and one of the greatest partnerships in Test cricket history. I've got some stats here, Tony. Do you want to get? I'll give you some numbers. Go on. Um, so yeah, they were they they were the opening pair in that great West Indies team of the 1980s. Uh, and batting together, they made 6,482 runs, uh, which is the third highest total for any partnership in Test cricket. Gordon Greenwich finished his career with 1900s, which included two double hundreds in that infamous Blackwash series uh, against England in 1984. Desmond Haynes scored 18 Test hundreds, just one fewer than Greenwich. And he, and he scored 17 ODI hundreds as well, which was the ODI record when he retired, later surpassed by Sachin Tendulkar and many others. But at the time, uh, he, w- he was the, the century record holder. So as you say, Tone, this was quite an afternoon, um, quite a setting 
It was. And you know, what was nice is that we were there at the first ODI just the day before sitting in the Greenwich and Haynes stand. And then, you know, 24 hours later, sitting next to the two men themselves. Yeah. Overlooking, I mean, water that I still wanted to jump into even when we were chat- uh, chatting <laughs> to them. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, just very spectacular. Still would have rather been playing Waboba. But yeah, we were on a, on a balcony uh, overlooking a, a stunning beach uh, in Spitestown, Barbados. I should point out uh, because as you'll hear in a moment i failed to do it during the interview and get roundly told off by desmond haynes where we were uh, was hugo's restaurant in spitestown they were they were good enough to host us there yeah yeah we were invited to a very nice lunch by andy stewart who owns the restaurant and uh who had you know got the guys down there so yeah very grateful uh, to him for having us along uh, and for these guys for spending a bit of time because uh, they were the guests of honor and we sort of nicked them for about <laughs> two hours uh well about 45 minutes at the end of, <laughs> at the end of the afternoon so uh yeah uh, sorry about that yeah <laughs> yeah we did just kind of barrel in like oh thanks for inviting us to lunch uh, we brought the microphones so uh is there a quiet place we can go and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and take your guests of honor um but yeah it was a really enjoyable chat we talked about a lot of things, Tone. The old days, the glory days uh, of, of that legendary team in the 1980s. Uh, they talked to us about how cricket has changed since those days, since their playing days finished and, and how they feel about that. Uh, they talk about the, the the hopeful picture for the West Indies team after this series win over England, but also the, the struggles uh, over the last couple of decades and the, and the systemic struggles that still face cricket in the Caribbean and how they would like to be more involved in in solving some of those issues. Um, so yeah, this was an incredibly enjoyable chat for us. I think they enjoyed it too. Uh, we might have put ourselves out of a job, Tone, or at least created a rival, because uh, they're, they're, they seem to be quite keen on the idea of launching a Greenwich and Haynes podcast. So that could be coming your way soon. Well, I'd happily defect to that as a sort of on-site producer. Uh, so... Yeah, I may be uh, winging my way back to the Caribbean sooner rather than later. And, you know, perhaps there's only one producer slot. So, yeah, see you later, mate. Well, thanks so much, guys, for for doing this. Um, So we're here on a balcony overlooking a beach, Haywards Beach, I think, in in Spitestown, Barbados. And we're here with a couple of West Indies cricket legends in Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Haynes. Sorry, I should have said it the other way around. Sorry, Desmond Haynes. No, no, no. You you were quite correct. (laughs) No, 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 but you've got to start this all over again because the first thing... (laughs) You've got to give Hugo some some sort of ad. Now, the restaurant name is Hugo. You're right. Right, you're and right. you're in Spitestown, in the parish of St. Peter, in Barbados, and, you know, you're in a lovely setting here, so... You're absolutely right. We're I'm in. just going to correct you as you go on, Adam, okay? <laughs> okay. Desmond, you're better than Adam, so uh, we've got a new host. <laughs> and you're still here with Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Hayes. And, and Adam, again, you got it wrong. You're here with Desmond Hayes and Gordon Greenwich. Right. <laughs> And I mean, can I, can I, just I mean, I feel, I feel like an England bowler in the 1980s. I'm just under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And get a smash around as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you're absolutely right. We are here at Hugo's Restaurant yeah. in Spitestown, Barbados. So thanks very much to both of you for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Well, let's talk about the current series, maybe, as a lead-off. Uh, so me and Adam, we watched the test match in St. Lucia. Uh, obviously, a good win for England, but it came off the back of a couple of uh, pretty chastening defeats. Mm-hmm. And now we're you know, heading into this one-day series. We just watched the match yesterday in England, uh, who were obviously so good at one-day cricket at the moment. Uh, yeah, l- looked every bit that team yesterday. But, I mean, you guys will have followed the series so far. The test matches, let's talk about that. 
as a, as a series win for the West Indies, how much did that mean? Well, I think first of all, we, um, we've been here at Hugo's restaurant in uh, St. Peter. Uh, by the way, this is my home ground. Okay, this is my territory. My parents lived just across the road there, one of those houses with a balcony. That's years and years gone back. Uh, but this is just my stumping ground. And um, with the restaurant, I think we need to um, say a big thanks to Andy yeah. for the invitation. This is great. I mean, um, he's actually done a, an exceptional job for me with the Gordon Greenwich Primary School. So it's a personal thanks from me to him for what he has done so far. Mm. Um, look, Desmond has his views and I have mine. Uh, the test match, the series and so on. For me, it was refreshing to see the players, for a change, be consistent in how they, not the win so much, but their ball in the performance and so on. I think this is the first time in a long time I've seen a West Indies team actually were able to, to consistently get the ball in the right areas more often than not. Um, all credit to players for, for doing as well as they did and winning the two test matches. But my disappointment also is that whether the, it's the Caribbean, the, Bar, the Barbados uh, press, the media, uh, the overseas press still have not given the West Indies the credit for the two test matches. I know they didn't play very well against Bangladesh in the previous test series and so on. And, um, and perhaps they expected England to just come here and just, just snowball the whole, the, whole, the whole tour. But the guys played exceptionally well and I think they should be congratulated for that. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that because I think we, coming into the series, were not expecting it to be to turn out the way that it did. I mean, I, I don't think we were, you know, totally underestimating the West Indies. But 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 were you were you surprised by the result, or was it something that you had seen coming? Yeah, well, to be to be quite honest with you, um, I thought that when England came here, yes, they appeared to be the better side. But um, I always say that you know. If you look at the history of the English teams coming to the Caribbean, they haven't really been doing well here in the Caribbean. And the last time that England came here, especially here in Barbados, we beat them. At the end of the day, whatever you say, West Indies is still very hard to beat at home, especially in Test Match Cricket. And I just thought that England came here with the point of view, well, you know, we're number two in the world. We're going to walk over, we're going to play a lot of golf, we're going to enjoy ourselves, you know. And they're just going to enjoy themselves. But as you know, in a two-horse race, you really cannot underestimate your opponent. And I think that what happened is that Jason Holder and his team, as Gordon said, got it right. They get the ball in the right positions more often than not. Uh, the, bat, the batting, you know, showed a, a bit of improvement. We're still struggling a little bit with the openers. But, you know, the guy showed a lot of promise. And we played well. And we won the two games. But... I, I was looking at it from the point of view of not only winning in the test series, but we want to see the West Indies team right, having some consistent performances. Mm. In order for that to happen, we need to see programs that are put in place where we have our cricket academy, where we know for sure that you know, we start having replacements in case one or two players are fine and yeah. cannot make the team or somebody did not get the over it. Up to scratch, yeah. you know, we are still competitive. You need the depth. So I still, yeah. I, we need the depth. And I still think that not having the depth, uh, I think what we need to do now is to start looking at our reserves. Because, I mean, we've got some fine young cricketers, but we need to see how best we can broaden the net. 
something that um, a, a couple of uh, a couple of guys here have, have said to me since since we've been here when I mentioned you know perhaps Western is kind of uh, overperforming from what we expected in that test series was was they said you know being here in Barbados they said well it's because there's so many Bayesians in the team you know and there are there are a lot of guys from Barbados in the team at the moment and they were saying you know strong Barbados strong West Indies you know do, do you think there's some some truth in that the history I, I, about that uh, back in the 60s you know that there's a lot of truth in that but I mean Gordon can testify to this we played in the West Indies team when a strong Leeward Islands team was a strong West Indies team too as well because you had likes of Saviv you had um, Andy Robert we had you had a load of you know people from the Leeward Islands that you know, made up the West Indies team and it was good. So, you know, you know, when you say that, I don't think that we need to be focusing too much on one particular island though, because I think a chain is as strong as its weakest link. Mm. And what is so sad about our whole approach to developing our cricket is that we've had over the last couple of years a very weak Leeward Islands team. And we decided we're going to change the format. We're going to bring in a professional league. We're going to try to do all sorts of things before we start saying, how can we look to enhance the Leeward Islands instead of we changing up the whole system? And unfortunately, that is the way how the cricket is today. And I'm saying that a professional league needs to have people who are professionals, not only in the way they play the game, but how they approach the game, how they dress going to the game and so forth. So even though we've got a professional league in the Caribbean, I still think we are lacking that professionalism that is needed. When you compare our domestic season to the rest of the world, our domestic season is still very poor. So how do we strengthen our domestic season? Because to, to strengthen our domestic cricket, it's going to guarantee that we have better test cricketers going forward. And I don't think that the authorities are thinking much in along the line of trying to develop and get in a strong domestic season so that we know that our replacements are good enough to compete. And the problem that uh, and not having a, a strong uh, domestic tournament, the standard is very low. So when we're choosing, choosing players to to represent the West Indies is as if they are either recycled players or these new players now are going out trying to find their feet. It's not that they are they are established players now because they're, they're young, they're green and they're going to play against established players who've been well groomed uh, for five, six, seven years and that is not the way to go. They will find themselves behind the eight ball more often than not because of that. So if we can actually groom them better and have them better prepared when they go in the international arena that'll be better for them they wouldn't find themselves so far behind it's like playing catch-up and some of the games we've played is like like mature players against you know schoolboys and that's how it's been like you can speak of it you can say it's, it's, it's you're speaking ill of the that's a fact the cricket we played doesn't depict the type of international standards you want to see so, so, so the barrier to entry to that West Indies team is too low. It's kind of the standard is too low. If if you don't have a, a higher standard where the players you're going to be looking to choose to represent the West Indies will be coming from, what do you expect? Because our players don't score hundreds against local bowlers, but you expect them to go there and score hundreds against international bowlers who are better prepared. 
you need to develop the standards here first, prepare the players, then and give them an opportunity to go there and compete. We participate. We don't compete properly. And do you think, like for for the two of you, and I suppose you know your contemporaries from that that great team. I mean, certainly, you know, whenever England come here, you know, there's a a lot of talk about the the old days, you know, on on English TV, and and you know, see a, see a lot from the kind of legend players. Do you, are you are you guys aware of that as a kind of pressure on the current team? Like, how how do you feel about? about that because they obviously are uh, trying to come through and trying to um, make their own names but they do there is this you know amazing history in the West Indies is that something that you're kind of um, aware of or, or that you yeah, have to think yeah, about? Yeah I, I believe that the players are aware of I think that what has happened is that over the years that we have we have produced some fantastic cricketers and the present players will probably always feel as though that they're threatened but I think that I, I will go back to the situation where is that when I was playing um, I never expected to be compared to the Seymour nurses and the Comrade Hunts and so forth. I know for sure that people would do it, but my aim was to be the best that I can be. And my aim was to make sure that I can pick and try to get the knowledge of the past players who were so good to see how best they can enhance my game. Which we always try to sort of do, actually do. We right. pick their brains. Right. What I find here is that I would be in Barbados, Gordon would be in Barbados, and no, none of the present players would come up to us and say, look, you know, I just want to pick your brain, I just want to talk to you about it, and find out first, how should I approach certain situations? Because it is not to say that these guys haven't got talent, but where I find with the present players is that it is not lack of talent, it is lack of how do you is assess an, an, a situation, right? And then when you assess that situation, how then do you go about in trying to do what you think is right by you in order to be successful? Now, the, the easy thing to do, as far as I'm concerned, would be, when I was playing, I used to confuse Sadafi Sobers. I used to confuse Sir Everton Weeks. I used to go and ask him, man, look, what do you think about me? I remember one day I went up to the commentary booth, Sir Everton was doing commentary, and he said to me, Desmond, what do you want you to do? Go and watch the ball. The ball is very important. The ball is going to get you out. If you don't watch the ball, it's going to cause you to fail. If you don't focus on the ball, it is go you could get injured. And if you don't focus on the ball, you're going to confuse me. So just go away. <laughs> just go away and focus on the ball. But here am I, still trying to find knowledge from somebody who was in the commentary booth, seeing how I am playing, looking to make an assessment of me. I don't think there are many of the present cricketers who seek the type of knowledge that is required that they could become the best that they can be. And it, it, it might not only be a fault on their part, but if you look at administration, there is no system in place where it says, well look, you know, we have an academy here in Barbados where we're going to have Desmond and Gordon to come and lecture our young opening batsmen about batting and partnership and how you run between the wicket and all the things that we were good at. I say to a lot of my friends, you know, we never went out there and tell the world that we are the two best opening batsmen in the world. The world told us that we are the two best the two best batsmen in the world. Two best opening batsmen in the world. So can you have this knowledge in your island and don't utilize it? I'm sorry. I think one of the things too is, is, is for 
the, some of the present crop of players is to to get an understanding of their own game and where they are, irrespective of whether they speak with Desmond or myself, they need to start self-analyzing what is happening with their own game. And I think if, if they did that, they would they would realize, well, you know, the, the areas of my game that I really do need to sort of um, follow up on, um, who is available that can give me some assistance, uh, let me seek them out not just the players but the authorities as well the, you know the people who they're working for i don't think our administration is vocal enough in trying to get some of the past players to assist some of the young players the young players perhaps wouldn't want to do it because they probably feel that uh, probably feel that way too. They're being sure steered away do. from you guys they as well. Do. They're they being do. told they not do. to consult you. Maybe they're told that way. Maybe they feel as if it would not be a, a sort of a, a, a sort of amicable or, or, or courteous sort of a, a reception. But that's not true. But uh, we've never been approached either by individual players or the association. And I just feel that, you know, we feel we have something to contribute. Yeah. And it'd be nice to get that sort of rapport going, that, that sort of uh, interactive sort of discussion going about cricket, about their own game. And I don't think that happens. So do you feel that maybe um, that legacy is being squandered in some way, that legacy from the 80s that, the, that all the past players like yourselves and it not being drawn on enough for your knowledge and experience? Is that... W w would you put, put it like that or is that, is that a bit strong? No, no, you're, I, you're right. I definitely feel it's not being utilised enough. I still feel we have something to offer. But there's no dialogue, there's no relationship between the past players, well, most of them, and some, most of the present players. Because for some reason they probably feel that they're threatened. I mean, that said, did, you know, watching the, the Test Series win against England, did it stir something inside you? Did you think, hey, we're, you know, things are moving in the right direction? And, and who do you like to watch these days in the, in the West Indies team? I, whether it's the West Indies team or, or some of the younger teams that's playing on the 17s, on the 15s and so on, as Desmond said, they've got some terrific young players around. So terrific young, on the, on the 11s, on the 15s, excellent young players. We want to see them mature the right way. We're not, we're not, no, we're not gods. We did things wrong as well, and we had to go back to the drawing board and try and work at it and so on our own games. But what we would like to do is to be able to assist some of these youngsters to develop the skills of this game so that they can compete on the international stage. And should they call on us, we're more than willing to assist. And in terms of your own careers, um, you, you are such a partnership, you know, Greenwich, whether it's Greenwich and Haynes or Haynes and Greenwich. Yes, you're right. This is quite correct. First time. We'll, we'll move the names time. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. just the for the moment, is this, let, let, let it be Haynes and Greenwich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're talking to me, it's Haynes and Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are so kind of inextricably linked with each other. And I, I, I don't know, there's maybe a perception that you kind of hang out all the time. No, still, no, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, 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 no. I don't want to be in the places that he goes to. I don't want to associate with him. But... What, what was it, do you think, that, that helped you forge that strong partnership at well, the time? The thing, the thing about it is that very early in our partnership, right, I acknowledged that Gordon was number one. There was no question about it. Gordon was a better player than I was. Gordon learned a lot of his cricket in England. He was more of a professional, played more professional <laughs> cricket than me. When I came in, I was a rookie. 
um, Gordon had the relationship of opening the battle with Roy Fedrick before I came. So I wasn't going to be one person who said, look, you know, I'm now, I was going there to make sure that the partnership worked. Because when Roy Fedrick retired, they had every territory, right, looking at finding a replacement for Roy Fedrick. And that replacement was supposed to partner Gordon. So Barbados had myself as one of the um, uh, one of the guys. Then Jamaica, they had two opening batsmen that they were hoping would get the pick, and Guyana the same thing. So when I got the pick after making 140 odd against Australia, my first one day international, then it was up to me to say, look, you know, this is now Test cricket. And Western history is that Roy Fedrick and Gordon Greenwich was a, a formidable pair, and I wanted to be able to say how best can I go there and accommodate Gordon and um, you know when Gordon say run I would run uh, he was always someone who you know liked to hog up the bowling when it's sweet he always <laughs> used to conk very used to conk the balls all the time so I know when it's the fifth ball of the over the next ball after that I gotta look for a single because he wanna get the strike so I was never one to say oh no no go back geez I know what he was going what he was thinking about you know so what he what what he was doing was also is going to make me look good because if we get a hundred runs partnership and he gets eighty eight, I get twelve. You know where I think it's a hundred partnership. I think yeah. the village of Haynes is still going all the time. <laughs> yeah. But on a serious note, though, that is what I thought about it. And I think that sometimes that a partnership comes from trust, right? And when you are playing with someone for a long time, we had a reputation of we never used to call. I would look at Gordon, I know when his intention. We used to say that we are running with intent. Where is that? From the time I look at him, I know that his intention is to run. So it don't make sense me stopping him because the single is on. And by not calling what it used to do, we had the opposition, the fielders, not worrying about what? They didn't call. So that means they weren't interested in the single. But we knew that if we drop it, we can get a run. And if we call, it might alert them so we didn't mind about it saying look let us use eye contact you know i got run out uh, uh once or twice but it was not my fault it was just that i was told to run and i ran <laughs> gordon's shaking his head <laughs> yeah obviously we talk about england a lot and it, it's been a few years now since england have had you know decent opening partnership that the guys that the team can rely on you know they keep finding themselves sort of 30 for three or, or whatever but you know for, for you guys with the rest of your team just sat back in the dressing room you two would walk out and they were like still having their lunch thinking like yeah we got a bit of time now we can yeah. we can kick back well be, i suppose it was nice for the uh, the guys coming behind to, to feel that way but um you just mentioned england about the the, the opening partnership and so on i think it's it's a big miss for england not having cookie there seriously um i am not certain that he should have gone on, but I mean, he's did a, he did an exceptionally jo a good job for England, and the, those they have had recently uh, are nowhere close to the the caliber of of, of um, Cookie. So it, it will for them it's going to take some time to to form that that opening partnership. Like everything else, you need a good start. If you can get a good start, you're you're, you're almost halfway there. Because once your guys up there can can stem the, the the pressure that is thrown at them and score runs as well, it, it releases the pressure on the other guys coming after. Yes, your job is hard, your job is difficult, but that's a job you have undertaken. 
and you've, you've got to be prepared to, 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 to roll with the punches as well too. Sometimes it's not going to be easy, sometimes it's not going to be what you want it to be, uh, you're not going to be able to play the way you would like to play, but this is a job that you've taken on. And I think for us, no, I, I relish the, the situation that I was in, I enjoy um, being up there. I don't think I could have been a number three batsman, number four batsman. I wanted to go in straight away and face the music because to sit back there and wait, mm. I would have been a bag of nerds. That's interesting, I am, I'm 100% yeah. certain of that. Let's get in there and get the job done. Okay, you may get out early, but to sit there and wait and see what's happening. And I'm sure at times when you sit there after you get out, you wonder, is that that difficult outside because guys might have made it difficult or they might be making it easy. And you're thinking, that should have been me. You know, if I didn't play that rush shot or whatever, that should have that could have been me. So you know, it's it's a it's a, a situation, a position or positions, one and two, where it's about how you're able to forge that partnership, and that's important. Perhaps even more important than anything else, the partnership. Yeah. So do you have to put a lot of work in? Or you have to put a lot of thought into it off the field as much as on the field in terms of developing that Our trust. Our practice were no different than anyone else. Oh yes, at practice we'll face the new ball. Um, the bowlers will come in and bowlers. One, one thing I have to say, we, we had some very serious bowlers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one word for them. Uh, yes, our practice sessions was almost like an international match. Right. They didn't let up. They did not let up. Uh, there are times where you wonder, well, whose side are they on? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, because the way they came at you is like, Hold on, guys. We got a test match tomorrow, yeah. but they didn't matter. Trying to knock they the had block to, off. yeah, they had to get their rhythm right, and we had to get ourselves right. But one thing that was really beautiful about the whole thing, when they bowled at us, they told you, and they pointed out the problems they saw in you that opposition would have seen or could see. So that is how they bowled at us to help us to correct some of these problems and faults that they saw and weaknesses and so on. I'm not saying we got rid of all of them, but it helped a great deal by knowing, by having those guys knowing what to do, how to bowl, to help us with the problems that they can see. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You mentioned some of those very serious bowlers that you have. I mean, it was a pretty serious team, full stop, pretty, wasn't it? And I, I was actually watching some highlights on YouTube uh, yesterday, Gordon, of uh, your innings, your double hundred against Australia here in, is it 1991? And um, 
when you finally were dismissed, the commentator says, right, and the new batsman is Viv Richards. And you just think, well, you've, you've, already, you've just scored a 200 and Viv Richards is coming out to bat and it really kind of brings home what a team that was. Was that something you were aware of at the time? Did you, did you know at the time what a, what a kind of historic team you had or is it just something that looking back now you, you understand more? I think, I think we knew. I think we knew. I think uh, we knew that the likes of um, Viv, Kalisharan, Lloyd, Lawrence Rowe, those guys were fantastic cricketers. So we had a we had a batting lineup that I think that when you look around the world, you know, it was, you know, very super. Uh, but a lot of people used to say that, you know, the West Indies, the West Indies in their glory days, they had four fast bowlers, they had four reserves, and they had four other guys trying to get into the side. But, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people miss is the fact that we had some fantastic batsmen as well. So it was very difficult for the opposition, when we were bumping shit out of them, that they can't really, you know, reciprocate. You know, <laughs> they can't give us bat short balls because we're going to knock, yeah. knock them away, you know. So that was the beauty of our team. And then also to cap it off, yeah, we had some very, very good fielders as well. I mean, Gordon was a fantastic slipper. Lloydy, um, Viv. Um, and, you know, it was amazing how, when you look at it, what an all-round, you know, what a team. But they were fit. Guys used to train very hard. We had an Australian physio, our trainer, who used to put it to our paces and everything. And our aim was to be the best that we can be. And we look at it from the point of view also that, we see ourselves as not only a great West Indies team, but back in those days, we were great ambassadors because everywhere we go, people were very much, you know, appreciating the fact that we are doing for a small country like the West Indies with only 6 million people conquering the world. And it was giving a lot of kudos to a lot of other people watching us perform as West Indian cricketers, you know. So we knew what was... We knew what it was like. I mean, when I went to England, I remember going into the dressing room and you hear Andy Roberts or Gordon or somebody, they're organizing the food for the team meeting. Where's that Andy cousin or Gordon family bringing a soup, uh, 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 bringing somebody bringing food. And uh, so we were a part and parcel of the whole culture. As, you know, and, 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 and we knew that when we were playing, we were not only playing for Gordon or Desmond, you know, we were playing for the entire Caribbean. All of the people who were living in England, who thought they were second-hand citizens, who realized that they weren't there in a situation looking to make a living. When we were playing, they started saying, look, we are somebody, you know, we are known up here, you know. You might think that we are no good, but we are known here because our brothers out there are beating you up, you know. <laughs> and people get to realize that. We played cricket with a serious purpose, you know, not only for ourselves, but also to make sure that we get a legacy that will be respected throughout the world. I think one of the things too that Desmond mentioned, uh, the type of players that we had had available then, Lawrence Rowe and you mentioned Alvin Kalitaran, and I think you a lot of a lot of mention are not given to people like Larry Gomes, who wasn't wasn't a pretty player by any means, but he was effective. And that's what you wanted. You had we had players in the team that you could shift the Both lineup, the yeah, yeah, yeah. and they would get the job done because the game dictated 
that you make adjustment to the team, the formation that you had on paper. And that was great. When you have guys who were, well, perhaps started out as utility players and then became uh, multi-purpose players. That was great. So the team was always, uh, it always had a balance, but not a, not a, a permanent balance, but a balance with players that could be shifted around and still cause that balance. Sort of listening to David Gower speak at a dinner the other week, and uh, me and Adam used to, well, we've played cricket together all our lives uh, as kids. Not quite at the same Not level. Not very as, well, as it has to be guys. said. Not very well. We were truly hopeless. <laughs> Mentally, we were hopeless. Yeah. But so we, you know, we, we always kind of talk about old tours where we, you know. We Don't say anything bad about David. No, 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 no. I like Don't, David. Yeah, He's I a friend David. of mine. Okay, good. But what, what I was going to say is that he actually... <laughs> He's a good man. He's a good fella. We, with our old, nice old teammates, we, we always just laugh about kind of how bad we were because we were, you know, we were beaten before we went on the pitch. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously we didn't go on to become professional cricketers or whatever, so we can kind of enjoy those moments now. But listening to David Gower, uh, yeah, who, as you say, you know, is a, is a legend and a, and a fantastic guy, but him talk about the tours that he came onto the Caribbean his whole kind of routine was about how it was almost reminded me of our teams that we played in that he he was basically just revels in the fact that they, he was beaten those guys were beaten before they'd even kind of walked on the pitch because what they, before they got on you, the plane did you, yeah, yeah did you feel that when you guys were, were playing them did you think like you know or, or, or I, I any think, team really. I think Desmond has a saying about that yeah yeah, <laughs> because, yeah I, I, I believe that too because when I was in Australia we used to see a lot of people a lot of Australians they would turn up watch us practice and they used to turn up to see us beat Australia. Australian supporters turning up for Western East to beat Australia. And we never used to disappoint them. It was <laughs> 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 it's fantastic, you know what I mean? That's an amazing thing to be a part of though. And, you know, as Adam was saying about you know, whether you guys knew at the time that you know, it was like an all-time we great team. Sometimes we would go and we would train and then you can see our preparation, our stretches, our exercises and so forth. And people say, wow, these guys are fit, man. You know, we got no chance, you know. You know, we got no chance. And we never used to disappoint them. We never used to disappoint them. We've taken up plenty of your time already, but there's one other thing I wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, we'll be is, here till the, uh, the ODIs are over. We, we could be here for hours, but um, obviously cricket has changed a lot. The landscape of tra cricket has changed a lot since you guys finished playing. And I just wondered, you know, just what you think about the way it's changed now. And, you know, would, would, you, fancy, would you have fancied playing a bit of T20, do you think? My goodness, can you imagine what, um, if, you, if, you, if you decided to put Gordon in a draft, Viv in the draft. Yeah. Kalish Sharan. Why, why are you forgetting yourself? Collis <laughs> <laughs> King. Collis King, huh? Clive Lloyd. Malcolm Marshall. Kurtley Ambrose. Uh, Waltz. What price would they I mean, get? Yeah. what price would they yeah. go for? You know what I mean? You got Joffa Archer going for over a million. Can you imagine what Collis King would go for? What Gordon Greenwich would go for? What the likes of Viv Riches? Alvin Carey Sharan, Lloyd would go for, even to a lesser extent, what I would go for. I might just be a little under them, but it would still yeah. be massive. <laughs> and, and listen, and then we won't have to do this podcast because we'd be telling Alan, yeah, we'd be telling it. Alan, piss off, man. <laughs> we don't need to do this, man. Uh, you, 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 know, you, know, you know, because the thing about it is that you wouldn't even be able to find us. We'd be on the golf course. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we're seeing some incredible stuff, aren't we, at the moment? And, yeah. you know, we watched England play yesterday, and obviously West Indies put on a big score, but you know, me and Adam were sitting in the stand there, and we used to, we were here in 2007 when England, yeah. you know, couldn't kind of hit the ball off the square yeah. in a one-day international. And then, you know, yesterday, 360-odd, and we didn't think for a second that England weren't going to chase it down. It comfortable, and you got it? six batsmen there. I couldn't tell you who the best batsman in that team would be. What, what do you make of the way they play the game? England is a formidable team. There's no doubt about it. And one day cricket. The thing with that is that is what's so incredible about it is that they're able to measure the game. You know, how they go about measuring the game. 360 runs, what's that? Six and a half over? So seven over? Yeah, seven over, yeah. You're looking at measuring them. You don't have to hit boundaries to get six runs and over. The odd two and the singles and so on. Most you look at how did most of the West Indies runs came? How many sixes were struck? How many fours were struck? If you look at it, so you can say, well, in between that, if some of our batsmen could have run the extra single, or a couple of twos and so on, that'd be an extra twenty or thirty runs could have made a difference. You don't know, but that is not what happens with the West Indies batsmen. The, the, the glory shots or so on are always on and they're always, always there for the guys to play. But we need to be able to, be, to manipulate the ball mm. and still and pick up the runs, the singles, as well as the boundaries that are going to come. And it's a bit as of Hollywood, said, is it? They're, they're going for the Hollywood well, it, it is, shots. It is. Yeah. That's, how, that's, how they, that's how they play, unfortunately. But they need to be a little more cagey in how they go about uh, manipulating things and uh, trying to get the score that you're looking for that will give you the confidence. In saying that, I do not believe that the side, the bowling side and the fielding were up to standard yesterday. Uh, fielding, yes, you can have laps in the field, but I think the inconsistent type of bowling that they had yesterday was perhaps the main contributor. But I, I, I still would like to add though that in all that happened yesterday I think that I'm happy to say that I like the likes of Jason Holder I like um, the guy uh, Campbell that opened the batting I love Shea Hope I think he he, he has I mean he's proven to be a better one day cricketer than Test but I, I still think he's got the ability to be a very good test cricketer as well. He played really uh, well yesterday. Yeah, he played, yeah. he played some, some, oh, oh. some some lovely yeah. shots yesterday. So I mean, look, let, let me look at it from the point of view of that. The Westerners have got, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, that we have got a lot of talent. We've got someone like a Ralston Chase that didn't play. I would have played him before I played Carlos Braffitt, but you know that's another story. That's <laughs> only I would have played before I played Bishu. Or, or, or even Bishu, because I don't, I don't think that spinners have really done anything for us. But the thing about it is that we have a lot of talent. I think that give us the, the give us some time, right? Please give us some time. These guys now are gelling. They're playing among themselves. They're all around the same age group. I can see us if we put things in place now that we become a formidable test team in the next three to five years. But what I would go to my grave and say, I need to see more of a West Indian flavor. West Indians, Sri Lankans, Indians and Pakistanis, we play cricket differently. There's something about us that is different. The English is either be very rigid or overcoached, one might say. The West Indies play with a lot of flair. And give us some more time. I think that 
those young men in the West Indies team. I mean, we've got Chris Gale who's who's going up, but he has done very well for us. He's been a fantastic T20 cricketer. These are people that you hope that in years to come, when you are looking at assessing your T20 tournament, that somebody like Chris Gale will not be put out there in the wilderness like how the present West Indies structure has put the likes of Gordon Greenwich, Desmond, Sagari out there. You still want those guys who have played cricket for West Indies, made a significant contributions, come back and be a part and parcel of our cricket development. And that's what I would like to see. I think that we have got a ample, we got a, an ample opportunity now to build a very strong team. But it must start from our grassroots cricket. It must start with our youth. It must start with our academies. And I'm saying to the territories. Which we don't have at the moment. Which we don't have, Gordon. I'm agreeing with you. What I'm saying to our territories now, like Barbados and Trinidad and Jamaica, start your own academy. Let us have academies in the territories. And then you have the main academy. So the day that a player gets into the West Indies Academy, he is so good already that when he get a chance to play test he already know about test cricket he know about how to build an innings as the opening batsman he know about bowling the ball in the right areas but when you are asking people to go to the test level and then learning how to play test cricket now you're always going behind the cue ball no other country do that but give us some time i like the youngsters in the western east team and i hope to god that someday that Gordon and myself will be able to work with them to make them the best cricketers that they can be. And I feel strongly it is important to get us now because some of us are in the departure lounge. <laughs> and if you don't get us now, <laughs> you're going to miss an awful opportunity. And then everybody can say, oh, damn well. I should have gone with what Desi said about involving these guys. Plus, now. he might have a very successful podcast scene, so uh, they better get on with it. It's the last one, Cricket All right, well, thanks so much, guys, for your time. Yeah, no thoroughly enjoyed that. That's okay, so, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Cordy. Yeah, 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 enjoy your stay in Barbados. Yeah. Uh, and in the Caribbean, I, I presume you're going around the rest of the game. We, uh, oh, well, we should. We no? We're talking about not going home. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to stay. <laughs> well, after Friday, you going? We've got to go. Going yeah. on, going to go. Sunday, yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.